The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. I can't get over this. So the only thing left to say, of course, is the one obvious thing. Excelsior! Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Hey, hey, happy Tuesday, everybody. We are now live. You're watching Splash Pages. My name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have an exciting episode for you today. But as always, Velvet Joker, how's it going, bud? Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, love it, love it, love it. Uh, Drew. Oh, hey everyone. Put the book. Welcome down. to Gotham by Gaslight. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. <laughs> Nothing like waiting to the last minute, Drew. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Here so, we are, uh, another evening. Yeah, totally. Uh, just uh, want to say, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, uh, we, we did a post about this, but a, a very happy birthday um, to the late, great Bill Finger. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we all know, uh, and if you don't know, you should definitely check out the documentary. 
On the left is Batman without Bill Finger. On the right is Batman with Bill Finger uh, without his uh, input. Uh, Bob Kane would have made some very bad choices. Indeed. Yeah. No doubt. Totally. Yeah. And we had his uh, granddaughter here, uh, right here on the award-winning splash pages. And if I'm, also, finger. if I'm also correct, I do believe her fiance, Rick, it's his birthday. Yes. You know, Rick so, Stafford, the king of Atlantis. You know, and a very happy birthday to you, sir. And I hope no one serves you fish sticks. Thank you. I'm good. Um, Sorry, I meant it this one. Get get out. Get out, both of you. First, first, first. Where's the gong? Where's the gong? And then him. Now, uh, let's get to, before we get to discussing this fantastic comic, um, let's get to some comic news. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the big news that we're that we're obviously attributing to is that uh, the late great Ryan Augustin, who is a former editor of DC and a, a writer, uh, as well as working with other companies, uh, passed away recently from a st- complications from a stroke. He was sixty-seven. Um, it's a serious loss considering all the things that he had done, both as an editor and as a writer for uh, not just DC, but other comic companies. Um, currently, uh, one of his frequent collaborators and, and close friends, Mark Wade, is encouraging that if any fans want to reach out and uh, write letters to his family, kind of essentially commemorate his experience, uh, he's provided their address to do so. I know myself, I'm most likely going to do sent something as well, uh, being that I am a fan and I've had the pleasure of meeting Brian in 2016. Um, so that's one. And then the second one, which is something that our illustrious uh, Velvet Joker had uh, pointed out to me, um, the fantastic, uh, well-received uh, <clears throat> writer-artist Walt Simonson, uh, him and his wife, Luis, um, their dog, who is appropriately named Loki, has recently passed away. And Walt did a beautiful tribute to his dog, uh, which uh, showed his his dog Loki crossing over the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, I thoroughly recommend all fans uh, of Thor to definitely check that out and just kind of celebrate that, you know, uh, even in pain, some of our most creative can still do something beautiful. Right. And uh, hey, Drew, I've got that address right here. Um, So if you guys do want to send anything um, in commemoration of Brian Augustine, uh, you can send it to Mark Wade for the Augustines. It's spelled A-U-G-U-S-T-Y-N-S, Care Mm -hmm. of Humanoids. And that is at 6464 Sunset Boulevard, Suite 1180 in Los Angeles, California, 90028. Thank you very much, Rich. Um, and if you guys didn't catch that and, and aren't able to rewind it or sometime I wasn't clear, just look up Mark Wade on Facebook. It's going to be a post in the last week. You'll see the address there. Absolutely. You know, and everybody, uh, like I said, it is a definitely sad loss. But before we get to commemorating uh, what in my mind is still one of Brian's finest work, besides his eight-year flash run that he did with Mark Wade, which is still one of the best, 
there is some comic news. So, uh, gentlemen, before I get to some of what I have, uh, anything you want to bring to the table? Uh, well, one of the things you'll probably bring up. Uh, so we have a tweet uh, from Joshua Williamson, uh, New York Times bestselling author, Image Comics, Nailbiter, Birthright, Ghosted DC Comics, Flash, yes. Bats, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he tweeted, uh, big announcement tomorrow. Art by uh, Sam Pierre and uh, I'm not going to pronounce that. Uh, so um, I am seeing a report, and you, uh, actually, Drew, you probably know what's what's going on with this. Um, what? So it's Death of Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Games Radar is is reporting that it's setting up DC's next tentpole event called Dark, Dark Crisis. Crisis. Yes, um, it's been very frequently hinted at that this is going to be the next one. There aren't really a lot of details out. But considering uh, that it has the word crisis attached to it, uh, we can definitely assume that that's going to be pretty intense. I mean, we've seen last time they had a crisis, uh, otherwise known as um, you had metal and then you had absolute metal or dark metal. Uh, the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo massive event, uh, which was, I think, two years ago, which was, jeez, uh, it was gigantic. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting, especially with this new Justice League. Uh, you have ben, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is 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 uh, basically wrapping up his Justice League run, and you have artist Sanford Green on it, who uh, has always been one of my subtle favorites, getting his due uh, for the amazing artist he is. Um, yeah, so it's going to be really awesome. Uh, I thoroughly thoroughly recommend it. Uh, as we talked about last time, I don't really feel any of the deaths are going to be permanent. But, uh, you know, should be interesting to see uh, where the story goes. Well, as we know, you know, death in the DC universe is, is almost never permanent. Ever. Um, no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are killing off most of the Justice League in April, it looks like. Um, Except for one member will live. Really? One. One survivor. But we don't yeah, know. We don't know who, but, you know, everything is, of course... Hinted at and covers and stuff. We'll probably know soon enough. You know, us nerds, we can't keep our mouths shut. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of DC, there was actually another thing that recently that I'd like to bring up is that there is a prominent artist there who has been accused of plagiarism. Oh, yes. Um, Joelle Jones, who is a who is a popular DC artist. Uh, she's also responsible for creating Yar Floor, who is the future state Wonder Girl. Mm-hmm. who uh, popularity became so much that she had her own series, which recently wrapped up issue seven, but was also going to be a prominent member in DC and in the upcoming uh, trial of the Amazon series. Joel has been accused of plagiarizing uh, X-Men artist uh, Pepe Larras, his artwork. Uh, a, a Twitter user uh, basically showed images from Pepe Larraz's uh, X-Men work most recently, and then showed images um, <clears throat> of of Joelle Jones's work, some of her upcoming work for the Trial of Amazon series, and you know, it they did. I'm not going to lie; they do look pretty identical. And now, this is something that that tracing is very much been a co- very common discussion and debate in comics. Uh, artists borrow from artists as well, and. It's not unheard of, but unfortunately, I think it's just a case of an artist who was stressed trying to meet a deadline 
cut a few corners and kind of hoped that nobody would notice, but it's the internet. There are eyes everywhere. So personally, um, I think it's sad that, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, just for reference, this is uh, coming from Screen Rant. Yeah, no comment there. Nope. nope. Just <laughs> it wasn't. It. I did not write the article at one point. No, no, no. But but we want to give credit where credit is due. Indeed. And personally speaking, um, I'm hoping that the criticism isn't too harsh. I mean, plagiarism is a serious thing, but hopefully, this isn't a you know ending of a career kind of mistake. Um, like I said, dumb, you know, ill-advised, but not career-crushing, in my right. opinion. Question would be, why? Uh, like I said, Rich, it's just, unfortunately, you want to reach a deadline. So you, like I said, you cut corners, you kind of go for an easy alternative. And you just, again, you switch the costumes and whatnot. I mean, there are some artists who have been dealing with these criticisms for years. The one that brings to the note is uh, Greg Land. You know, he's a popular Marvel artist for years he's been accused of tracing borrowing figures from hilarious from all sorts of entertainment including porn um there are subreddits dedicated to people who compare images that he's done to other images and it's once you kind of see it it's kind of hard to argue against it you're like okay this is, mm. um so, and one more note thing to note, which I'm very excited about. I just found out about this recently, is that uh, switching gears to Marvel, uh, two things. One, um, in following the movie Shang Chi, uh, the Ten Rings, um, the character himself will actually be wielding the Ten Rings, just like his MCU counterpart. So that in itself is going to be pretty exciting. They're definitely again doing the well. What works for the movies, we want to make sure our comics reflect that um also we're seeing a return to nostalgia by a new 2099 miniseries um uh for those who don't know 2099 was a 1992 storyline which saw a future of the marvel universe so it started off with spider-man then we saw the x-men then we saw uh the punisher we saw dr doom and a bunch of new characters as well uh all futuristic versions of these characters in a future where corporations rule everything. Uh, we're returning back to 2099. Uh, and of course, our, our favorite, the man who started it all, Miguel O'Hara, the Spider-Man 2099, will be very prominently featured in the two-issue series. Um, but there will also be spin-offs, little one-shots featuring new 29 versions we haven't seen before. One of them will be Winter Soldier 2099. Oh. And Loki 2099, which so, should so be pretty interesting. It, it makes sense for them to do that because the next movie coming out for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to have uh, Spider-Man 2099. Indeed. So again, more, uh, we're just seeing more and more of Marvel's play is whatever the movies, the animated will do, our work will have that nice parallel, those hooks to get the new readers in. Um I don't recall the dates for these, but, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting that 2099 is still pretty prominent. I mean, it was a 1992 comic series. Uh, Miguel O'Hara is still very prominent 
in the Spider-Man and the Marvel. And it's nice to see, you know, the other not so popular characters also getting a little, a little light. So definitely, uh, definitely cool there. Uh, that's all I had. What about you two? Uh, I have a couple more items. Uh, just real Before. quick. Uh, the tickets for the Batman have gone on sale for the special IMAX release. Uh, I guess the IMAX releases is going to be released a little early. Uh, so it's like a special fan event. And mm -hmm. I believe it has a, uh, the fan event has like a runtime of three hours and six minutes. Yeah, I heard it was going to be a three hour. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny that I hear that people criticize that, but yet Endgame was literally close to that. And it. Oh, I'm. I I'm not criticizing it. No, no, I know. That, I'm just saying that, is, that, is that people <laughs> will scoff at that, like, oh, three yeah. hours. And I was like, my dude, people sat for four hours for a Snyder Cut. Like, what, four time. hours for a Snyder Cut? How long was Dune? I don't Dune even know. Was, Dune was wicked. It was like, yeah. I think it was three book. hours and change. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, it's a, it's a long book. And I mean, the same thing with Endgame. Endgame was close to three hours. I seen it called, it was like two hours and. 30 something minutes, right? Yeah. Hey Darren, how's it going? Look at Hold that. On, Darren. <laughs> Look at that rhyme. Um, <laughs> but okay, that's exciting. I'm I'm yeah. I have to admit to you guys, I'm still on the fence about this one just because I feel I'm Batmaned out. <sighs> what? It, it, well, okay. Let me let me briefly explain what I mean by that. And Rich probably can back me up on this because Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna feel similar to Drew. Yeah, so my thing being is we have seen so many Batman already in our lifetime. We're at like, and this isn't counting animated, in which, with all due respect, Kevin Conroy is still king. Um, although everybody who has also voiced Batman still gets credit because, you know, give credit where credit's due. Um, we have seen like six, maybe seven live action Batman in our lifetime. And it's just like it's it's great because it's kind of like batman is the american version of doctor who it's always someone new and they bring something new to the table but and everybody has their favorites but at the same time it's just like how many times do we have the same you know angry vigilante the same origin wow. story the same you know new versions of characters i mean it's this is like the seventh batman this is like the third Catwoman, um, the second Riddler. I mean, I, I don't mean to look at it that way because obviously I think it's going to be good. Personally, when the first trailer came out, I loved the use of Nirvana in the trailer. I thought it was perfect. Um, and my criticism isn't even to, I think Robert Pattinson is going to do a good job. I think um, Zoe Kravitz is going to do a good job as... <clears throat> As Catwoman, I think Jeffrey Wright's going to do a great job as Commissioner Gordon. You know, whoever is the Riddler, I'm sure he's going to do great. And Colin Farrell as Penguin is still blowing my mind because the makeup oh, yeah. is amazing. Um, it's just, I'm just, again, it's like it's another Batman movie. And well, I'm right. excited, but it's just, you know, how many times, it's, it's basically, it's like when, we hear it's another number one. We're starting again. It's another issue one. It's an, and then it's just like how much longer until then there'll be another Batman. There'll be you know, 
Well, I, I think DC, and I, they're totally smart if they're going this way, going more black label for the, the entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because we, we had a young Bruce Wayne and Joker. We're having, you know, uh, 89 Batman making a return in mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Flash. Right. Um, and, you know, we still have Affleck. Apparently he's going to make an appearance somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is a standalone story. But everything I'm hearing, though, is this is the first time that we're going to see on screen a true representation of, of Batman, Batman the detective. Yes. Um, and, and, which I'm extremely excited about. Mm -hmm. Well, now, I think... I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Drew. No, 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 Rich. I, I was just going to say I completely agree, and I'm also very excited about the detective aspect because I feel like it's something we've barely seen in any Batman movie. I think we've seen glimpses of it in the Keaton version. We've seen... Yeah. The most I think we saw was Val Kilmer figuring out the Riddler's riddles in Batman Forever, and then a little bit in um, like Nolan's Batman. But it was, uh, yeah. So, Rich, what, what, what you, you were saying? Well, first, um, you guys are probably giving me more information than I know about this movie. Um, I saw the You're trailer. Welcome. I thought it was okay. It didn't blow me away. So I'm actually trying to go in with this with low expectations, but at the same time, this is the only thing up until recently with like Peacemaker and the last Suicide Squad movie, DC has been whiffing with the movies. And Batman's the only thing that they ever knock it out of the park. And mm -hmm. except for the Superman Batman, which I didn't love. Um right. but for the most part, with Batman, DC is is knocking it out of the park. Am I excited to see it? No, not really. Um, but I'm gonna see it. Right. Um, I, and like I said, going in with low expectations, I'm I'm hoping it blows me away. And that is that that is kind of what I want it to be, which is kind of why I forcibly stayed away from a lot of all the internet gobbledygook to have any preconceived notions. So that is my feeling on this movie. Well, I, that's, I'm that's fair. I'm excited for you, Rich, that you're going in with no expectations. You haven't been spoiled with anything yet. So uh, I hope you go in and this blows you away. Um, there is one Batman thing I would like to bring up. And if I can find a meme, the meme for it, I totally will. Um, they've been doing more and more Seinfeld memes, the, specifically the episode which Kramer's apartment is being uh, neon red blindsided by the chicken place that opens up near them. And, you know, you had the scene where Jerry opens up and he's like, oh, my God, Kramer, what is that? He did one where Kramer's like, it's vengeance, Jerry. And then you just see Batman in red from the trailer. And I was just like, I could hear Kramer saying it in that, like, it, it's vengeance, Jerry. And just, you know, you have Batman just. Mm. Um, I was just like, it was one of those moments where I was like, that was good. That was well done. That was well played. So um, <laughs> it gave me a guffaw. But uh, moving on. Um, nice. Leah, what else did you have? Uh, just uh, the the only other couple items. Uh, Catwoman, the new Catwoman Hunted came out. I started watching it last night. It's, it's uh, I need to give it another try because we're actually going to talk about it tomorrow. But it, it's a very, it's very Japanese anime. That's interesting. The artwork is is Japanese anime. Like 
big-eyed Catwoman is 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 weird. It's really weird. It's like a manga style. Maybe yeah. maybe weird isn't the word. Maybe it's just a little well, different, well, and it's just not what you un- expected. Uncon- yeah, unconventional. I, I should there say not weird. It's it's unconventional. Uh, something I haven't seen in a DC animated yet. Okay. Well, uh, listen, that's totally fine. So yeah, yeah no worries. Uh, yeah. Hey, I don't know if you guys have checked it out, um, but there is a new series on Amazon called Reacher, oh. which is you know the Tom Cruise Jack Reacher series. Right. Um, I guess originally it was a book series, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we've got uh, Alan Richman uh, taking on the Reacher role, uh, who yes. previously recently played uh, Hawk in the Titan series. Oh, okay. On H- on HBO Max, and he uh, they killed him in that series purposely because he was doing this Reacher series. Um, Which, I watched the first episode a couple nights ago um, when Harley had it? a migraine and um, was really impressed with the writing. I thought it was going to be kind of boring and episodic, mm-hmm. and I got excited by the, um, the end of the episode, and then she and I ended up watching three episodes in a row last okay. night, and uh, it, it's a fun series. Uh, a little violent, a little little comedic mm-hmm. uh not to the level of uh <coughs> john cena but um hey. pretty decent hey you know and it, it, and one thing i would like to point out is that apparently um steven soderbergh was uh had an interview recently where he discussed if he would ever do you know s- uh, similar to others like if would he ever do like a comic book movie or you know something in that franchise and he said that he 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 wouldn't because he prefers his you know his independent movies, um, you know his not so populars and whatnot. But he said something about how he felt that the comics lacked like showing sex or intimacy, and of course James Gunn being uh, being the ever so quippy one was uh, responded with screenshots from funny enough a lot of his movies. Um, he was like, yeah, you know, I mean, they don't show it often, but, you know, this is, there are moments where people are clearly fucking. And um, one of the moments was, I guess, there was like, um, uh, one was the Harley love scene from Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one was, I guess, from Peacemaker, where I guess a very superhero three-way happened between him and, and vigilante vigilante which, yeah oh which, yes 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 which i was just like wonderful and then there's even a scene i guess where drax in i guess guardians one was kind of getting dressed after spending some time with an alien woman and well, also uh, eternals there's a flat out sex scene on the beach there you go so my point being is you know uh like yes do they they're not as explicit because Marvel is still owned by Disney. So, you know, they're not going to go too hard. Um, HBO, you can do whatever you want. If you've ever lived through the nineties, you definitely know HBO after dark. We had no problem, you know, showing skin. Um, But it was just, again, it's, it's funny. You have that, but again, it wasn't what I feel other filmmakers have done with. It's just like, you know, they'll make some comments, but maybe they're not a fan and then they're like, oh, this person hates comics. And I was like, if we read the interview, that is not at all what they said. But, you know, you know, James Cameron hates Wonder Woman will get so much more clicks than he has criticisms about said such industry. But such is the world. Right. 
Hey guys, I was thinking about a segment called Wah of the Week. So uh, this week's Wah of the Week goes to Channing Tatum, who was okay. crying about his movie getting shelved, Gambit, and that he has not seen any Marvel movies since because it is too traumatic for him. So Wah of the Week goes to you, Channing Tatum. Wah, and, wah, and it's sad wah. because I actually think he would have done a good job as Gambit. I, w- I would have been fine. Although I will say that I did like, I think it was Taylor Kish when his Gambit showed up in, in X-Men Origins Wolverine. I mm-hmm. thought he did a great job. You know, and then there was another Gambit that was in a fan film who did a stupendous job. I can't remember it, but I remember watching. I was like, wow, this guy's killing it. Um. But that's ridiculous. Like, he can't watch any since. There's been a lot of good movies, dude. Like, get over it. Yeah, yeah. stop crying. If that's yeah. the worst thing in his life, you know. Mm, yeah, well. Whatever. What do you want me to tell you? Yeah, pretty keep, much. Keep bringing in that magic mic money. Yeah. <laughs> they're definitely, definitely going to have a third one. Because, you know. We got to see. We got to see. Uh, where wait, wait, wait there, was a sec- there was a second one? Yeah, there was a magic bag too. And it's probably gonna be a Magic Mike three, you know. It's be it, it, it's gonna be like Spider Man three, but sexier. So that dance scene is definitely gonna be hotter because it won't be so much disco. It'll be disco stripping. <laughs> Sexy. Okay. Well, on on that note, uh, just real quick, uh, if you're watching, um, uh, what the hell, the Peacemaker. Yes. Um, Rich, you're all caught up. Oh yeah, I'm all caught up. I, I, I've oh. I've even been watching Podly now. Which is the podcast that oh, they nice. advertise in the beginning of Peacemaker. Oh, so, sweet. Yeah. And actually, there's this. I actually recommend you guys going on YouTube and checking out the first episode of that. Because okay. uh, you can actually fast forward through the uh, the two co hosts. Um, I, I, I hate to say it, they're, they're, they're not that energizing, but they do an interview with James Gunn in the first episode. And he's like a little kid. He is so energized and happy about this series. It. it, it it brought me joy to see the happiness on his face. It, just... It's so, so much fun. The dance scene for the intro. Mm-hmm. You got to watch it every single time. You know, it's I, just... I think James Gunn has always been the kind of person that he's just better when he's left to his own devices. Like when you try, when you try like conforming him to his style, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll, it's like with Marvel. It's like, okay, I'm going to do a Marvel movie, but I'm going to do it my way. And look, everybody knows who the fuck Guardians of the Galaxy is. Before, only us three would have known who the hell these dudes are. Now, you know, if you hum hooked on a feeling, people are going to do that like, oh, yeah, yeah, nice. Good reference there, bro. Like, cool, cool. You know, um, and even his Suicide Squad was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was. You know, and um, even some of his other work, James Gunn, uh, I've constantly been you know praising even these uh like slither is a great great horror movie um god what was it uh um that superhero movie he did with rain wilson soup oh super oh yeah super yeah, yeah. was crazy. super was a weird fucking movie but you know it's still great um 
you know, even like one of my favorite zombie movies, the Dawn of the Dead remake, which directed by Zack Snyder, but the whole script was written by James Gunn. And you're like, no wonder it's so fucking good. And so goddamn quotable because it's, you know, him. Um, but, you know, I mean, I definitely Peacemaker's on my list because, again, I thoroughly enjoy his work and everything you guys have said, everything other people have told me that it's just a delight. And, I, and I'm just so happy because we just need that kind of that kind of material, in my opinion, that it's just not serious. Like, yes, it takes itself seriously being a story and and fans and stuff, but it has fun. You know, oh, it has, it has a lot of fun. tremendous in it. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Uh, they they reference Kite Man multiple times in the uh, latest episode. Is there is there uh, ever a hell yeah? No, oh, no. Damn it. But there there is uh, uh, John Cena's character Peacemaker uh, uh, tries to explain uh, how uh, Superman enjoys anal. You know, I gotta really watch this show. <laughs> all i'm gonna say all right so um is, yes so i uh, guess is there anything else or did you want to should we get st started with the show well let's get started uh we need to travel back to 1990 nice it's a good time i think it's a good very good time yep. uh, one year out of high school. Comfy. Uh, you guys ready yes sir three years old Okay, is everybody ready? We need to center ourselves, get ourselves in the right mindset for tonight's story. And uh, we're going to do a little traveling back in the time, so I need the time hat. And uh, computer, set the time circuits for 1990. Captain, time travel circuit set for 1990. Ah, 1990. It was a good year for me. I was in full-on dork mode. It's a year I placed as a semi-finalist in the Nintendo World Championships. Uh, I had a perfect job for a kid in high school. I worked for a video game company, and I was writing a book on video games, The Ultimate Hint Book. Uh, it didn't really go anywhere, but you know what? I was in high school, and it was it was a you know just an amazing, amazing journey. So in 1990, gas cost us $1.15 a gallon. Girl Scout cookies were $2 a box, and the milk to dunk those in was $1.70 a gallon. You can go to Disney World for a mere $31 for an adult, $25 for a kid. And if you're going to live in Florida, a house in Fort Lauderdale costs you $86,000. Movie tickets, on the other hand, were $4.25. And speaking of movies, the top grossing movie of that year was Ghost. But us being dorks, the movies that we went to go see, Dick Tracy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go, uh, Back to the Future 3, Dark Man, and who could forget, My Blue Heaven. Have a nice day. Fuck you. The top show on TV that year was Cheers. I absolutely love Cheers, but you might have been watching Who's the Boss and Family Matters. Saturday morning cartoons in 1990 were full on dork as well. Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters, Beetlejuice, more TMNT, and uh, Captain N and the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3. Those were on my list to watch when I was a kid. 1990 was also a good year in comics. 
that year was dominated by Spider-Man and Batman. So that year, Legends of the Dark Knight issues 5 through 8 were top selling. But then, you know, a, a little story by, you know, you might not have heard of him, but somebody, Todd McFarlane, was it? He released a uh, Spider-Man series, a uh, uh, new series, and uh, issues 1 through 7 top the charts. Issue 1 selling over 400,000 copies. And, you know, he had to try to find a Platinum Edition. Uh, I have, uh, not the Platinum Edition, but I have, uh, you know, a couple number ones myself. Don't think they're worth anything. But anyway, it was a great book. Also, 1990 was a great year for video games. As I mentioned, you know, the Nintendo World Championship started, uh, where I mentioned I was the semifinalist for Connecticut. Uh, we also saw the release of Super Nintendo. Game Boy was released that year, and Genesis, along with the Neo Geo Home System, which I remember selling at the video game store that I worked at, that was, it was like $400 for a single game, and the system was like $1,200, it was insane, but you know what, people bought them. Best-selling video games in 1990 were Tetris for the Game Boy and the Nintendo, and before that, that was actually a Tetris by Tangan, huge, uh, you know, crazy story on that, where... Uh, Tangan released the game, you know, without the rights to sell it. Uh, it. It was definitely the best version of Tetris, in my opinion. Uh, but also, the uh, along with Super Mario Brothers 3, was the best-selling game of 1990. Also in 1990, we're still going to the arcades. Top quarter munchers for that year were TMNT, more TMNT, uh, Final Fight, and Super Off-Road. So that concludes our journey back to 1990. Uh, that was a great year, and uh, you know what? I, I hope you had a chance to enjoy it as well. If not, you saw it through my eyes. And uh, with that, we're going to go on to our story. Thanks for listening. How'd you like that? Whoa. Send, send me back. That is such a good time. <laughs> yes, sir. Did you say Wait, you, were, you were the 1990 champion for Connecticut? For I, I, I said. I, I was, uh, w- no, I was one of the semifinalists. Okay, so how far did you get? Uh, just top How many? Top uh, three? Top five? No, I think it was like, uh, it was probably like 20. Okay. Um, because there was a level up past semifinalists. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, I made it. To, took you down. Uh, it, it was uh, definitely Mario. The the, um, yeah. It, it, it's my nerves. You know, it, it was. <laughs> I was a teenager, and my nerves just shot because I'm like on the big screen. They focus on my screen. It's like uh, what was that movie? The Wizard. Wizard. I was just about to say. Did you watch yeah. The Wizard and think? I. I been me. <laughs> But that, that's the whole thing. You know, it's like four of us up on the stage playing. And, you know, uh, that everyone's they watching. The, yeah, it, it's they put you on a big screen. And um, the only thing that saved me was Tetris. I killed it at Tetris. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, Tetris. Uh, it's one of my favorite um, games. But totally. the fact that you, I'm sorry, I mean, all the cartoons, especially Slimer and the Ghostbusters, but, you know, the fact that you referenced My Blue Heaven, that has been uh, one of my favorite buddy crime movies ever and i tell people all the time like y'all want to see a funny ass steve martin movie 
Like, don't get me wrong. The Jerk, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, they're all great. But this movie, hands down, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. you, I, you, I, I love My Blue Heaven. You, yeah, you, think, you haven't lived. I think, I, I, think till... I watched it around Christmas this year. It's a great movie. Yeah, you, you haven't lived till you've seen Steve Martin teach Rick Moranis out of Meringue in literally 10 minutes. I was like, it's not that easy. You know, I know from experience it's not that easy, but, you know, it's wonderful. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess like you, like the time version of Leo said, let's get on with the story. So um, before we get to the story, I do want to kind of commemorate uh, a little bit of Brian Augustin, who is the writer for it. I do want to go over some of his history because I didn't know some of his credits as well as I thought. Like the thing that really stuck out to me the most was Gotham by Gaslight. That was the big thing, but he did a lot. And I definitely, you know, since we're remembering him with this, you know, I definitely think we should do that. So um, Brian uh, got his start in the industry in 1986. He was the editor for True Studios uh, Trollards. He then later uh, edited uh, Siphons and Speed Racer for Now Comics in 1987. And then in 88, he joined DC. He used to as a co-editor for Action Comics. And then later, he also then was co-editor for The Flash, Justice League, and the Impact Comics line of titles. Uh, in 1989, he was the editor for The Flash. And then he hired Mark Wade as the writer in 1992, which, of course, led to Wade's... Uh, well-received and still acclaimed eight-year run. Uh, and they continued to collaborate a lot through uh, DC. Uh, some of the collaborations were The Comet, which was a DC Impact crossover, and the Flash spinoff Impulse, um, which I seem to recall uh, had artist Humberto Ramos on it before he would be known as a prominent Spider-Man artist for Marvel. Um, he was also the managing editor for Visionary Comics. He worked as a story editor for Red Giant Entertainment. Uh, and as a solo writer, as we know, he wrote Batman Gotham by Gaslight, its sequel, Master of the, Master of the Future. Um, he also wrote Black Condor, Marvel's Imperial Guard, Wildstorms Out There, and Dream Productions of Mega Man. Um, yep, and he a lot of what his work did was essentially with Mark Wade. So they did the Crusaders for DC Impact, Painkiller Gene, Exo Man of War. And then when he left his position as the editor in 1986, he teamed up with Mark Wade to co-write The Flash for a year between 96 and 97. And then in 98 and 2000, uh, they collaborated again on the life of The Flash. And they also co-wrote the story of... Um, the Flash issue 142, which is when Wally West marries his longtime partner, Linda Park. So, you know, got to give credit. You know, he did a lot of really good work. And uh, like I said, I met him. At, um, again, credit to one of our favorite supporters, uh, Mitch at Terrificon. That's how I got to meet him. And he did a, a lovely tribute when Brian passed, remembering him in 2016, which is how I got to meet him. Um yeah, he was great. He was a really, I have to tell you, he was a very funny, good-humored guy. I talked to him how much I, I love Gotham by Gaslight, and he did this great painkiller gene um, and Hellboy crossover 
that he did with uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, who was very much heavily involved in Pink and the Jane, and Rick Leonardi, who I knew is one of the co-creators of Spider-Man 2099. And in the series, I remember asking him, is um, in the comic Hellboy and Painkiller Jane defeat the demonic entity they're fighting by blasting a Chumbawamba song. <laughs> um, and I remember asking about it. He told me, and it's so funny. I, I don't, I, he told me the story about it. And he, I think he said, well, if it's going to be any Chumbawamba song, you're going to defeat true evil. Might as well be that one. And I'm like, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, he was just a, he was a really pleasant man. And uh, the amount of love that, I'm, that I've been seeing online from people who worked with him, fans and whatnot. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you can't control the stroke, but 67, I still feel like he still had some good years ahead of him. And it's just such a shame when that just kind of comes out of nowhere and then takes you. So uh, with that in mind, let's commemorate with what I still feel is his finest work, uh, one of his finest works, Gotham by Gaslight, which for everyone who needs to understand how important this is, this was essentially the first Elseworlds comic that was ever. So the success of this comic alone here is essentially why we have Kingdom Come, Red Rain, uh, Superman, Red Sun, and all the other uh, great Elseworlds is because of this book. Nice. Um, in which he teams up with the other great um, collaborator. I mean, you couldn't have a better team. You had him and then the famous Mike Mignola, whose artwork here is so fantastic. But years from later, Mr. Mignola would be noted for creating another famous character in comics who we know as Hellboy. Hellboy. You know, so... Naturally, as a fan of Hellboy, I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I'm still very upset that I, uh, when I met Mike, I didn't get this sign because it's still one of my favorite Batman stories. So let's get into it. Certainly. Um, the premise so is just well, fantastic. Oh, it, it, it is. I, I just wanted to say real quick. So we're going to be talking about uh, both the comic and the movie. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, Drew, uh, as we go through this, is, is maybe point out some things uh, that, you know, the comic had that, you know, kind of were referenced in the movie. I know it's not yeah. a exact one for one. Uh, mm -hmm. Matter of fact, it seemed like the, the movie pulled a lot from the sequel. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely something that that when I first watched it, I noticed. I felt like they they definitely got like the story itself is very much adapted from the original, but a lot of, a lot of extra things are very much from the second one. So it, it, it uh, the writer, his name, I believe his name is John or James Krieg clearly was a fan and he kind of amalgamated both stories. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to. No, you're, doing great. Uh, yeah. Leo, yeah, you're but... fine, man. Please go ahead. No. So, uh, I mean, essentially the premise is fantastic. I mean, it, it really is the simplest thing. You have Batman, you have, you have Bruce Wayne on uh, finally back from his, his, you know, quest to better himself to fulfill his promise of avenging his parents um, with his own unique Batman style costume. 
you know, he besieges in Gotham and Gotham is already dealing with a big problem. And it's not the Joker, it's not the Riddler, it's not the Scarecrow, all of whom would have been really fun to see in, in a gaslight capacity. The the foe is one very near and dear to history. It is the the infamous serial killer, Jack the Ripper, who has decided, fuck London, I'm going to go for some new hunting grounds and I'm going to go to the one place in the new world, which is shitty enough for me to... Uh, to have fun, Gotham City. Um, yeah, some travel in the same boat together, no less. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the other thing that is really great is that, and, and me and Rich were talking about this beforehand, is that the book has these little wonderful nods to characters you already know. Um, in here, like one perfect example is we basically established that there is a Gotham by Gaslight uh, Joker. You know? Look at that. That's terrifying. You know? Um, and in this one, he's not, you know, the Red Hood. He's not, um, you know, he's not just some gangster. He's a, a widower who wines and dines little rich women, and then he poisons them with poison. And And then, of course, when he tried to get caught, he tried poisoning himself. He fucked it up, and now he's a grinning, ghoulish lunatic who clearly looks in some way as it must be an homage to, um, is it uh, Rich? Is it Cesar Romero or is it the other guy? No, you're, you're thinking of um, they, the, the move. There was a movie, a black and white movie mm-hmm. that the Joker was based on. Um, uh, but it's the name is totally escaping me. But yeah, that yeah. is like clearly an homage to that black and white image movie okay um but yeah it was it was very this this book to me was very well researched it's very well written you know both mike and brian did a great job of creating a a little niche in time where you just see how batman yep there you go there you go yeah, I was just looking it's it up on my phone. Thank you, Leo. Terrifying. Uh, you just you get the idea of this is how Batman would have been created, and he's still just as scary, he's just as effective, but he's contending with this killer. And uh, just uh, real quick, uh, that's Conrad Veet, and the movie was The Man Who Laughs. There you go. And, uh, right. there, there's there's a Joker story, The Man Who Laughs, as well. Yes, yeah. that's uh, that's Ed Brubaker. And uh, Doug Mankey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, J- Jerry forward. Robinson said that uh, a lot of the uh, influence was from that movie for the Joker. Yeah. Um, but I think this again, uh, Brian's story is one thing, but Mike, his control of just darkness and shadows, it's very evident here. You can clearly see that stuff that would just become a celebrated part of Hellboy here. You know, just this one scene where you have him just taking down a bunch of robbers is just chillingly perfect, you know? And everything is still fantastically very rooted in reality. So, you know, it's it's a very real story. And, you know, again, as a, as a person who, you know, has a degree in history, I just really appreciated the research you know, everything was very grounded to me here. And honestly, it just was such a, I mean, again, I've reread it again and I can't tell you how many times I must have reread it. I never get tired of reading this story. Like 
it's still a great read. And that is a sign of, you know, wonderful comics is that you keep coming back to it and you never get tired of it. So that, that's my, that's my review. Yeah. So the, let, the, let y'all talk. To me, the, the, the beauty of the, like you said, Mike Mignola's art, um, it, it's dark, it's raw. Um, it's not super sharp, but, but that's his style. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also like in scenes like this, he's able to pull. Um, it seems like the Batman imagery is more, uh, like I said, dark and raw, whereas like the other image that you had just had on the previous page is more crisp. Yeah. Um, so he obviously he's capable of doing both, but uh, I, I really think his darker is where he shines. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to eat. Actually, I want to hand it over to Leo because I'd rather talk about the end and how interesting I think. If if we're spoiling it, um, the the depth and um, I mean, interest the nineties, who Rachel. did it and why he did it, yeah, way more interesting. That um, and and also a wonderful cameo by Harvey Dent, uh, pre Two Face too. Yeah, you know, during the trial. Um, no, as an origin story, this was fantastic because essentially what it did is we we got the true villain responsible for his parents' death. Um, and again, the 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 killer who's you know a, the Joe Chill of it all is just a hired gun. So you know, there's really nothing to avenge. You know, it was just hired muscle. It could have been anybody. Um. Well, and, and you know, one thing to keep in uh, in sync uh, is the reasoning be- behind a killer in both parts. You know, it's mm-hmm. spoiler, and we're not going to reveal who it is unless you guys want to. No, uh, but you know, we it's totally different killers, uh, totally different motives between between the two, and I I like the. The reasoning behind behind both, you know. Yeah. Um, and but the comic definitely felt more like a true detective story. It, it really had you guessing mm-hmm. uh, throughout the the whole uh, book. But the the movie it, it kind of definitely threw you you know um, threw you off to the side. I I didn't see it coming at all, mm-hmm. and I think they did that on purpose to have a character that you wouldn't even consider would be the killer yeah so absolutely but... and um so since we're not gonna ruin it um I, i'll say that uh, essentially the killer was haunted by being laughed and mocked at and the ramifications of that to batman and his history and his family's history is terribly intricate. And as Drew said, um, the the killer also turns out to be the one that killed his parents. And at the end of this, he, which I I thought was really interesting and uh, that he hangs up the cowl because vengeance has been satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, things have come to fruition and he hangs up. And there's a part of me that really wished they just left that story there. Because that really changes as, as being an Elseworld story, um, it being just the one shot and not having the second half, and him just having hang up the cowl and leave it at that. Right. 
is really poignant. And, and I get why they did a second story and, and moved on to it because it was so popular. And of course, it's a moneymaker. Um, yeah. And the second story was a good story. But uh, boy, I, I really, there was a, a really visceral part of me that was like, man, I wish they just left it right well, there. And I think that's exactly the point of Elseworlds, Rich, is that it was that they had that freedom. You could end it there. A lot of Elseworlds, not just, you know, with Batman, there were also ones with Superman, Green Lantern, Teen Titans, the Justice League, Wonder Woman. You know, a lot of them were very much, you know, the one and dones. It was, mm -hmm. this is the story, this is the beginning, middle, and that's it. Sure. And you didn't need to know anything more than what was presented. And like you said, you know, some really popular ones um have you know been repeated i mean dark knight returns is technically an elseworld uh kingdom come we've seen a lot of presence of um red sun um red rain you know super popular elseworlds still find a way into the collective consciousness of dc mm -hmm. so um you know but again they all wouldn't have even had that where they are without this story. Cause this is the one that really showed this is, this is a different version of Batman's story, mm -hmm. but it's again, it's, it's, it's still Batman. Right. Um, just looking at the both and comparing both, uh, you know, the, there is still a court scene, uh, you know, where um, Bruce is, uh, you know, on trial. Uh, on trial for uh, the murders. Uh, he's found guilty uh, by the same evidence. Uh, you know, you have a eyewitness is a uh, woman that has a drinking problem. Uh, same thing with the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. But one thing is the voice by Tara Strong, by the way, Leo. Oh, the crazy old lady. I noticed yeah. that when I was watching. Now I always watch the names in the animation. Constantly watching well, the names. Yeah, because like, oh, she, Tara she referred to her lady. as Harleen. So I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. You know who this oh, is. Yeah. Yep, mm -hmm. yep, yep, yep. Um, you really got more of a sense of time in the book, you know, as it's countdown from when he's going to be hanged. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that definitely had the writing and it definitely had like a over sense of doom uh that was that was coming you know will he escape or will he not you know uh that really wasn't conveyed as much in the uh in the movie yeah well, I, and, I i enjoyed the pre part of the the book where he's sort of he's out in london getting training to be a detective yes they totally skipped that and, and uh, they don't have that at all in the movie and i'm like boy that's that's really I, lacking i felt like that could have been pretty key to the storyline and I think that that's something that I would love to see in an animated film. Like I would love to see the journey, you know, I've, I love seeing those stories. Like, again, one of the reasons that I really love Batman begins as a Batman story is because you see Christopher Nolan explains how that Batman became, you know, how he got the training, how he got the knowledge to then use those skills later as Batman. And he did it in such a way it wasn't like, oh, anybody could do it. Because it's true, anybody could. But it's like you see that it takes a specific training, a specific mindset, everything. And it was just fascinating because instead of, of like kind of like how we saw like Keaton, he'd already been Batman. You yeah. know, um, you, you got a better idea. Of, it truly really was a, 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 the, 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 a, an origin story. Um, 
for me, what I also loved is that this is one of two else worlds where you see Batman talking to Sigmund Freud about what happened. There was a second one called uh, Detective uh, 27 in which where Bruce Wayne is, is, uh, is an operative working for a secret society trying to stop this, um, this uh, secret ploy to destroy the United States and government. And there's a moment where he's, he's, you know, talking to Sigmund Freud and Freud is like, you know, at that point, that Batman hadn't become Batman. His identity was detect, um, you know, Detective 27, which as we know is a reference to um, the Detective book. Comics number 27. Yeah. Right. And Freud says, it, like, you know, it's really amazing that, you know, you, the trauma that you experienced didn't lead to essentially becoming Batman, you know, and it's just, again, like you have here where he's talking to Freud about the dreams of his parents and, and everything kind of like, and it's just, again, that, that wonderful mix of historical with fantasy, which I feel comics when they do it right is just fantastic. I agree. And, and you know, just to get the references in there uh the movie actually instead of freud they had uh, uh he goes strange yes mm -hmm. um and i just wanted to point out you know um this scene here that's on the screen right now uh was redone in the movie but it's the same the killer had the same profession yes Mm -hmm. And uh, matter of fact, part of this was was recreated in a movie, just, you know, a different uh, twisting the story, you know, uh, a little bit. Sure. I, yeah. But um, yeah. And then the ending is is true Batman style, uh, you know, ending like, oh, God, yeah, who is that guy? Like, well, we're going to need him. And you can literally almost hear like the Batman animated series. Um, Leo, we we said we're not going to show them the ending. Keep flip, 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 flip. No, 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 no. We went too fast. You got to pace yourself, man. You know, you got that. You said flip. You said flip. Up, 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 up. Yeah, you just got that perfect Batman. You can almost hear the animated series theme in the back. It's just so good. And then, like Rich said, that they did come up with a sequel. Um which, again, you know, I think the important thing is that sometimes you have to look at certain stories that it's not supposed to be the same book, because if it was, then why would you read it? You know, it was, uh, you know, continuing the story. And, you know, um, I think it's just funny because in a way, you know, which in that story, uh, everybody, Master of the Future which we had uh, Brian is um, is <clears throat> is joined by Eduardo Barreto. Um, excuse me. That one is officially an Elseworld because by then Elseworlds were huge. You know that was a very major thing DC was doing a lot of. So you have. Um, it's and that story is three years later and like rich said you know batman has retired 
he is uh he's in he's retired he's in he's engaged you know everything is is great you know he he figures his his debt to his parents has been satisfied he's earned a happy life let commissioner gordon and the others you know protect the city from madmen and criminals but as we know oh that doesn't happen no, but, no. but it's also interesting because the villain this one which is essentially um the gotham by gaslight version of, of raz al ghul yeah um troy yeah alexander leroy um you know that it, it's it's like i said it's a different villain but i definitely think it caught um Roz's, you know, one, his, you know, ego, his his ego, his sophistication, but also I think it also proved like the lengths he'll go to get his goals. I mean, you know, uh a Zeppelin with essentially a laser destroying Gotham was pretty great. But again, like like you point out, Rich, is that there's levels to this story and it was really wonderful that you use one story and then near the end you find out there's a completely different one you know like oh this this destruction you know is so senseless but it's like yes but it had a reason and then you know in true batman fashion he figures it out so so um, i i didn't get the raz al ghul uh feel from it i i got a lex luther because it was, it was two l's well, not two L's, but Alexander oh, uh, Leroy. Would, you know, that would make a lot of sense. I I honestly felt a bit Roz simply because of, you know, the whole thing about, you know, master the city, protecting the future and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I can totally see that too, especially Alexander Leroy. You know... I, I honestly, Leo, I never considered that, but I, I can totally see that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see either of those. I thought it was a totally original character. So interesting that everyone's different perception. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, uh, my first thing, uh, thought was, you know, oh, are they bringing in the Joker with this as well? Oh, the um, clown, the clown yeah. Gatling gun toy. Yeah. Right. I thought maybe a version of the toy man, perhaps. Oh, Ooh, there we go. That's that's interesting. And that's like what I love about these older comics, which I feel I hate to say it that a lot of newer ones uh, don't have is that you can sit and discuss them. You can like again, I've I've owned this book for years and I never considered these things, but we're talking about it and we have that perspective, you know. And it's just it's great because I'm like, wow, like I never really thought about that. And I'm like, could that have been it? And I feel like if we if you know if um, Brian. Had, if we had been able, fortunate enough to, to interview Brian about it, I, I really don't know what he would have probably said. I feel like we, he might have probably confronted some of it, or he would have been like, "Guys, you're, you're making me more clever than I really was," <laughs> you know. Right. But I uh, know it's it's great. And then on top of it, Eduardo Barreto, he's a, a, a wonderful artist. It's it's a shame uh, that uh, he too has uh, has passed on. Like all greats, eventually will. Yes, yes. Pecorino, please, Pecorino. Yes, thank you, um, thank you. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Sorry. No, no it's, 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 we have to get the nice pecorino done here. Yes, thank um, you, Harley. 
Thank you. And just for the side note, uh, Eduardo Barreto was a, an Uruguayan, uh, or, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that wrong, artist uh, who's very, very popular. Uh, two of his children, actually all of his children are artists, and two of them actually work in comics. You have Diego Barreto as an artist, and his daughter Andrea used to be a colorist. And his son Guillermo is an inker and illustrator. All of them mm -hmm. occasionally collaborated with their dad. He unfortunately uh, passed away in uh, in 2011. Um, and it's funny because one of his last works, which was uh, DC Retroactive, Superman in the 70s, was actually finished from his hospital bed. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy, but uh, I just again got to give credit where credit's due, you know. But uh, back to the story, yeah, and it's great. And I I think for me the one thing that I I loved is that he keeps talking about his friend, and then his friend is essentially, um, and you know how I'm saying you're seeing more and more Lex Luthor because I feel like this friend would be essentially kind of like one of Luther's sidekicks, you know, um, which I just enjoyed that he kept talking about, like, it's a real person. And I was like, this is a freaking machine. This is like the equivalent of the blow up pilot in airplane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then he, he knocks the head off. You've killed my friend. I'll kill you. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's not that serious, man. Yeah, he's <laughs> put the head back on. Um, and it was also nice having one of Bruce's girlfriends, or in his case, fiance, be such an advocate for Batman. Like I'm so used to, like, um, like when we read uh, Batman Year or Earth One, you had um, uh, the female dent. Mm -hmm. You know, just you know, oh, Batman's a menace and everything. Like you know, um, it's just nice to see that she was kind of one of the main things that pushed Bruce back. She was like. You know, it wasn't Catwoman. It was, it was Gotham will need a Batman, you know, and she got it. She was like, listen, you got to do you will still be a thing. Go protect the city. Like, um, and, and we get part of that in the movie where, you know, Selena, you know, knows he's Batman and, and, you even know, even though she like, was going to oust him. Yeah. Um, and then we get an opposite, you know, uh, thinking back, uh, previous movies, uh, Mask of the Phantasm, mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, uh, the girlfriend uh, knows he's Batman and just wants him to, you know, hang everything up. Uh, Andrea Beaumont. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and it's also so interesting because I've only seen Batman with a sword a few times, and it's usually fighting uh, Ra's al Ghul, because you know he's got that old-fashioned uh, nobility and censorship. But you know, it's it, it's it's so interesting when you see Batman with a sword, and you realize no matter what, Batman is a threat. Like he's a formidable everything. Um, but again, the story was just so well grounded in, like it was nothing that happened here felt like oh, it wouldn't have happened at that time. The style, the machinery, the devastation, it was all there. Um, when you talk about the time and the machinery, it's interesting, Drew. Um, when I was watching the animation, uh, 
first there was a, I guess it was a steam engine version of uh, the bat cycle. Yeah. 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 I, I, again, and, the fan of me was like, wow, that's cool. And that part of me was like, I feel like this takes away from the story a little. Right. And then I also felt that the motors on the dirigible really bothered me. I was like, would they really have those big giant, even if there were steam motors on a giant dirigible, would that even work? There there were some things that I feel like, like I said, I I feel like they just kind of had in there to move the story along, but it wasn't as accurate as it could have been. And it's, again, it doesn't hurt the story, but it's like you said, Mm -hmm. it's small details that almost noticing them kind of take you out of it right. it kind of pulls but, you back to the majesty but one thing i really did enjoy was um how they portrayed uh selena kyle as a um defender of the weak and the poor mm-hmm. and how they portrayed that it, it wasn't just women it was poor women women of uh, ill repute or uh, lack of money and knowledge. Um, and that still goes on today. People are murdered like that, unless it's a high profile case, you know, mm. good neighborhood people, uh, they don't really get that respect. So and, I, I and, really appreciated that they added that element to it. And also, you know, to, to compliment, you know, it was also great to see that Selena was going to expose Bruce's identity and it wasn't, out of like gain it wasn't for a reward it was to protect people because mm-hmm. she didn't want him maintaining batman's identity to put other people at risk because they thought he was the ripper so you know right. they're, they're, they're like okay well if we kill him the murder stopped but she knew that he wasn't so the murder was still going to keep going so it was kind of like this is our hi we need to wake up gotham that nobody is safe like you you have got the wrong man right. um and, and no, without it, ruining the, the 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 bad guy i mean basically it was a beloved character gone zealot um to the mm-hmm. point where at the he end he snapped pretty much walks into the fire and burns to death yeah and yeah. It, and it was it was it was pretty unnerving you know but it, again it was a twist that i i, I personally understood um and then we, uh... yeah just real quick, uh, we, we did get a couple other characters, uh, definitely some nods. Well, not really nods, uh, but full-on, you know, uh, characters. We did get Poison Ivy yes. uh, in the story. Well, was killed early on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we also got the three Robins. Yep. Yes. I th- that's, uh, rewatching it, that was one of my favorite parts because I feel like a lot of their personalities were still very much there. Like Dick was very much the leader. Jason was still the somewhat arrogant hothead and Tim was very much the, you know, the, the idealist, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of like the dreamer, but, you know, still can hold his own. Um, Cause you've got to pick a pocket door too, boy, you've got to pick a pocket door too. Um, but I did love that one scene where they're talking about how the guy who they were working with would find them. And then Batman just breaks his leg. He's like, yeah, he's not going to be running after anybody. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> Gotham by Gaslight does not play. I was like, right. God yeah. damn. And then, and who yeah. Knew, who knew Alfred had an employment agency? Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, figured. I was like, yes, you picked the wrong pocket. Um, and another great addition in my mind was, and I very much liked it, was um, Leslie Tompkins' As Sister Leslie, like a 
great way to incorporate her. You still had, you know, she was still a nun, but she was a sassy nun. Like, you know, they're talking about. She was you know, an old oh, Irish nun and she'd wrap your knuckles if you're a bad boy, Drew. I, but no, it wasn't even that. She, you know, she, when they're talking, then you get the, uh, you know, what is it going to be? Is it going to be brunette or, or blonde or redhead? Oh, James Gordon, curse your tongue. My bet's on the blonde. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it, it, for me, I always appreciate the subtle lines versus like, oh, look at me. We made this reference. I was like, it's always better when it's just subtle. Like it's part of the story. It's not, oh, look, we made this reference. I'm like, okay, great. That's cool. Does it help the story? If not, fuck off. Um, now, the last one that I definitely want to talk about is it is a little out of the way. And it did come as a bit of a surprise to me because I didn't expect to find it. Um, and a little precursor one is around, I want to say, 2000. Looking it up now because, like, Mr. Time Circuit's over here. I want to make sure I got my dates right. Um, uh, so around 2006, uh, a lot is a lot basically a lot changed from the last time we saw um Master of the Future, which was two years after um Gotham by Gaslight, which was released initially as a one shot in 1989. So then two years later in 1991, we had Master of Future. So then we jumped to 2006. Uh, 2007. Uh, what? 2007. Wait, what about 2007? Uh, countdown to Final Crisis. Well, yeah. Um, I'm, 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 yeah, so 2006, 2007. Um, you have the crises. You have the infinite, all that. You have really more of a, a definition of, of the world. So Gotham by Gaslight is actually identified as, a, as an individual Earth with its own existence and whatnot, and that's Earth-19. So then fast forward another year or two, depending on which date you're following, mine or his, um, you have an event called Countdown, which was the, which is the event leading up to Final Crisis, which was the last of the great crises, supposedly. Uh, and Countdown, which was very much a heavily criticized um, story, uh, essentially saw among the many things happening is that Ray Palmer, the Adam, had disappeared. Um, and essentially what had happened is that you had a group of heroes. Um, you had Jason Todd, a.k.a. the former Robin, and then current uh, Red Hood. You had Donna Troy, uh, former Wonder Girl. And you had Kyle Rayner, who had previously been uh, Ion, uh, as a Green Lantern, and you had a monitor uh, who are a group of extra-dimensional entities who patrol and document and keep an eye on the multiverse, uh, traveling, following the trail of Ray Palmer, for he had gone to separate Earths. So Countdown, the search for Ray Palmer, was this group of motley heroes uh, going to different Earths trying to find Ray Palmer. Of course, they... They went to the Wildstorm universe. They went to the Crime Syndicate universe. Uh, they went to Red Rain, you know, World of Vampires. And then 
They made a wonderful stop at Gotham by Gaslight in January 2008. And to our much joy, uh, we had this, which was written by Brian Augustine. Uh, so you had that wonderful authenticity of continuing the story. Um, and I feel like, uh, you know, me, I've read the series, um, but I have to ask, you know, you guys having not read any of it, how did, how did this fare to you? Uh, I think we lost Rich. Um, but I mean, this was a, this was definitely a nice bonus addition. You know, mm -hmm. it definitely didn't take anything away from, you know, the, the previous two encounters, mm -hmm. uh, but I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it, it just added more to, to the, uh, to mythos. Mm -hmm. I think for me again, and Hey Rich. Hey, sorry. Technical difficulties. It's all good. That food must've been really good. Um, personally, I just enjoyed it because. Again, we saw more of the world slowly expanding. You had the idea that eventually Batman would not be the only hero. Um, yeah. And personally, I love this version of Blue Beetle. Um, and I love this idea that that this Batman would, of course, kind of be the first. He would be training. He's there. This world's Superman. He's the one that ushers in the next this generation of heroes. So you have. Um, you know, Ted Cord, the who is the second Blue Beetle, uh, joining in when yet again Gotham is being attacked by a creature who is attacking women and, and, and the public. And then these heroes join up against with Batman to kind of figure out that and the personal connection. So it basically becomes DC heroes plus Victorian heroes fighting vampires. So, I mean, what more can you hate? So Fun. what I was saying to Leo, um, Rich, was that, you know, having not really read any of the other books or whatnot uh, that this is a part of, uh, how did how did this story fare to you? Uh, Leo felt it was like a nice little extra bonus. Yeah, it was a bonus. It was nice to see that sort of era again. But again, mm -hmm. also, I didn't read it, so I didn't have a total connection to the story. Right. Um, so I didn't have any like deep feelings about this particular issue, but I, again, I, I did enjoy this version of Blue Beetle. I thought he was interesting in an aspect that we haven't seen the Blue Beetle and sort of this kind of see more magical and mystical, yeah, than alien. Yeah, it was definitely interesting, um, and I think that the one thing that I particularly enjoyed is that you had this idea that that at that time, Jason Todd, who was very much still searching for an identity, you know, he was a Robin, then he was the Red Hood, and then he kind of wasn't, you know, he had this idea that he could, he, he felt home here. He felt like he could have stayed here. And of course he couldn't because it's not his world. Um, you know, it was just really nice. But then I also enjoy that at the end, you have uh, Batman and the Blue Beetle uh, being like, yeah, other worlds, and I was like, yeah, I feel like we're we're this is gonna happen again. So you might want to up my training. We're 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 gonna need to be ready for this shit. Um, and to my knowledge, I don't think they've gone back to Gotham by Gaslight. Um, I have to say, with Mister Augustine's passing, I don't know if they will. But I mean, you know, if if uh, you know, if we can still keep using Kirby's work for years. After his death, I mean, I think anything's possible. Um, 
but uh, no, I, I like I said, I admittedly need to read more of uh, Brian Augustine's Flash run. I've never really been the biggest Flash fan, so I figured I might as well start there. Um, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed his work. Um, I definitely think Gotham by Gaslight's popularity means it will live on, and I think that's the, probably the best compliment uh, that you can get as a writer uh, your 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 legacy is preserved so exactly you know. well said true i have my moments and, you know it comes and goes getting, my mouth's getting dry oh um, um yeah just real quick uh it says uh wikipedia and wikipedia can't be wrong wait could yeah. be <laughs> Uh, they say uh, additionally Gotham by Gaslight Batman was briefly featured in the limited series Dark Knight's Metal that would make sense there was a lot of Batman featured yeah. in, in, in that a lot of them um, a video game based on a comic book was planned for release oh wow really yeah Man, I would have uh, played the hell out of that that would have been dope Ooh, I did not know this. Uh, season pass holders of Batman Arkham Origins mm-hmm. were awarded with a special costume for Batman that was based off of Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah, it was probably the Gotham by Gaslight costume. Yeah, I have seen because I know steampunk Batman is definitely something that people do at cons. I think I've seen a Gotham by Gaslight Batman or two, and I mean, it's always nice. It's nice to see a, a costume that will fit in at both Comic-Con and technically at the Ren Fair. Hey, gentlemen, um, I'm going to have to let you guys finish this off. I'm having a back spasm, and I don't want to fall over on front of the screen. So that you would guys be great. enjoy the rest of the thing. No, we have definitely a great will. evening. Uh, four and a half crowbars across the board for me. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Thank Rich. you, gentlemen. Thank you, See you soon. You're back. Thank you. Um. Leo, honestly, I I'm gonna agree with that too. Uh, I think four and a half is a is a wonderful, um, is a wonderful rating for this. Uh, it's like I said, very few books are perfect, but this is a great read. And you know, again, made in the '90s, in which I've often felt that DC in the '90s was a wonderful playground of of great stories and things. Not everything worked, but a lot of the times. DC in the 90s was really killing it. And uh, this is just another great gem from that time, which I think can still live on. So four and a half for me as well. There we go. Uh, I agree. You know, it, it's uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it myself. And like I said, I watched the movie when it first came out uh, mm-hmm. without reading the book. And uh, I didn't really care for it. But now, you know, reading the book again, or actually reading the book for the first time, mm-hmm. then watching the movie, I had a whole new appreciation for it. Yeah, sometimes it you really do have to read the source material. Because yeah. then you kind of can look at it differently. But sometimes it helps read looking at it without that, because then you can kind of see the movie as a movie versus it's a nerd movie. Yeah. So, but yeah. So... Cool beans. Now, uh, to end it, uh, I am on Facebook because I know Leo is going to like, hey, Drew, where uh, can people find you? <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I'm uh, Ghostbusterman1984 on Instagram. Um, I do a lot of work with Screen Rant. I do a lot of stuff here. So if you look me up via the one, you'll probably find me. Um, I'm very busy, but I'm trying to be better and responding to people. So 
Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a busy man. Busy man. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, check out Drew, uh, Ghostbuster Man 1984 on okay. Instagram. And, uh, yeah, for me, just Google Leopon, but I run a little thing called the Dorkening Podcast Network. Uh, we got a ton of shows on a network, a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. So definitely mm -hmm. check it out. Uh, you know, we have live streams going on through most of the week. We have uh, radio now, Dead Dork Radio. Uh, which you can actually find some of our shows streaming. And it's a mix of, uh, you know, awesome dorky music with, you know, clips from, you know, some of the different shows, you know, 40 shows on a network. A lot of people, you know, putting in a lot of awesome stuff for the radio. Uh, and uh, yeah, just, just a lot of cool stuff. Go follow us. And uh, with that, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Faces, everyone.